Welcome back to the Sandlot Baseball Podcast with Matt Toot. Welcome back to the Sandlot Baseball Podcast with Matt Toot and Tom Sinertia. This is episode number five, and it's week two of the Major League Baseball season. We had a lot of exciting things happen this week, and Tom and I are definitely excited to get into the topics we've planned out to discuss for you guys this week. But first, let's check in with Tom and see how he's doing. Tom? What's up, everybody? I'm doing good, doing great. Had a great start to my day up until about 10 minutes ago. Spilled my entire cup of coffee. Um, I've become a coffee guy recently, the last about month and a half. Probably one of the best things I've ever done. It's just it's when you wake up sluggish in the morning and you have a nice hot cup of coffee. I might have to transition now, though, because it is getting warm out. I might have to go over to iced coffee. But anyway, iced coffee is the wave. I know. I, I know you've been, you've been sucking down iced coffee since high school, so I definitely have to transition to that but I, have, I haven't had my coffee yet this morning maybe that's why it took me three takes just to get the intro that just might be the case but as for me spilled spilled just about half my cup of coffee the other half is still here tastes delicious shout out k cups for the keurig machine that thing is one of the greatest adventures of all time but enough about coffee it's been a long week and a half of baseball um i think i'm just generally frustrated from just the, the performance of my team itself, but we'll get in that. We'll get into that at the end. But as for baseball as a whole, what a, what a week it's been to just get back. Me and two talked about last week with Shoei Otani and his, his, his outing, his first outing of the year on Sunday night baseball. And you kind of thought like, wow, like how can the week get any better? And it got just maybe twice as better. You know, there's so many storylines throughout the, throughout the entire league. And it's so nice to just, so, like, you know, when the Yankees are really pissing me off and I, and I don't want to, like, think about them anymore, I can just tune into, like, the rest of the league. And, you know, there's there's guys stealing bases and just not getting out. There's guys hitting home runs. There's rookies that are just not getting – they're not not getting on base. You got, of course, a no-hitter that we're going to hint at soon. Baseball is back, man. It's nice to just – I'll probably say it every week until, like, July. It's nice to just not have to worry about these games – Obviously, you want to win. At, you want you want to go one sixty two and zero, but that's never going to happen. But it's nice to just like when you see the last ten in your in like the standings and like the schedule. It's nice to see that like those are still the games. Those are the only games you've played, so you know it's so early. There's so much baseball left. Let's get right into it. What are we going to talk about first? Yeah. So the first topic of discussion for this week is really the the biggest thing that happened this week in baseball, and that was the no-hitter by Joe Musgrove for the San Diego Padres. It was their first no-hitter in team history. Padres had not thrown a no-hitter up until this point. And another interesting fact about this no-hitter is that the Padres hadn't thrown a no-hitter through seven innings. So even the fact that Musgrove carried it through seven innings was a franchise record for how long they've had a no-hitter. For Musgrove, the line read 10 Ks. He threw 112 pitches in his no-hitter, and 77 of them were strikes. And obviously, the Texas Rangers got no hit. And he was one batter away from a perfect game. A great pitching performance by Joe Musgrove. Didn't catch the whole game. I caught the end. Once you get that alert from the MLB app that a no-no is going on, I always try to go over and see it. And another cool fact about this no-hitter was just the fact that Musgrove is from San Diego originally. So a San Diego kid got to throw a San Diego Padres first franchise no-hitter, which is a cool little cherry on the top of the snow hitter. Tom, do you catch any of this or any thoughts on this? So I got to, first of all, that this is, this was one of the greatest things I've ever seen in my life. Um, so yes, I did see it. I was on the couch watching uh, 
I've gotten really lucky the last couple of weeks. I've got, it's been like on cable TV on Friday nights, there's been unreal amount. Was it Friday or Saturday night? Friday night. It was Friday night. So the last couple of Friday nights on like on cable TV, like all the movie channels, there's been unreal movies on. So like my last couple of Fridays, obviously, you know, with COVID and everything and I'm home, I'm, I'm out at school. I'm not doing anything. I've gotten sucked into like hours because they're all back to back to back. So I, I was watching movies Friday night. And then, like you said, I get the update on my phone and Musgrove's got a no hitter. And I'm like, oh, man. So for years, I used to be under the mentality that like if I see that, I'm not going to go watch it because I don't want to jinx it. But then a couple of years ago, I learned if you have that mentality, you're going to miss on probably half of the greatest moments in all of sports. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, screw that. I found it was on uh, it was on MLB, MLB Network. So I went right to that and I caught um, I caught the I caught the ninth inning. And dude, this kid's stuff was moving like it was the fourth inning. And it was the it was the, it was the, it was the ninth inning. He's making guys miss, making them fall. One of the best things I've ever seen, in in my opinion. They're so you can you can watch replays all you want of no hitters, but when you see it live, and I had tweeted it right when it happened, and it was at Globe Life, which was a full capacity stadium. Like that was awesome, awesome. Yeah. That was, and it's, that's, it's I, cool. I think that's how I sum it up. It was awesome. It's cool, especially when it's a road team that does it and the fans of the home team eventually fold into the fact that they're seeing history being made. And the fact that it's extremely hard to throw a no hitter in baseball in general. And even if your team's getting no hit, you're still, you're still somewhat rooting for the no hitter at that point. And it's just cool, especially to see the fact that it was at a, a full capacity stadium and we haven't really had that in baseball yet. So for the first real big moment to happen in the MLB season at a full stadium was pretty cool. I also just think the the fact that Musgrove is from San Diego originally yeah. and got to throw the franchise's first no-hitter is awesome. I, I feel like that's such a cool part to this story. And, I mean, of course, he got traded over this offseason from a team that's a, a really shitty team that's not going to make the playoffs in the Pirates, and he comes over to San Diego, his hometown team. He was and, on the Pirates? Yeah. Yo, the Pirates just have the best baseball players in the world, and they just trade them all away. It's yeah, unreal. I mean, and it's it's good to see for Musgrove – finally coming over to a competitive team and now, mm-hmm. you know, getting to do this for his team. It's, it's just, it's awesome. It's a great start for, you know, the first no hitter to happen this early. It's we kind of got spoiled. Cause I feel like, you know, most of the time we're not expecting a no hitter to happen right away. And for it to happen this early in the year and the way it did it, and the fact that it's a, a first for a franchise is just awesome in my opinion. And I'm glad I was at school and able to, to, I wasn't out. I was just glad I was able to catch the end of it. Yeah. It's actually playing uh, one of my buddies in MLB The Show, and we got the alert, and we threw it on while we were playing the game. So, and you know, I think it's a, I think, I think it was a nice, uh, a nice little gift. Obviously, it's the best gift you can possibly get besides winning a World Series. But mm-hmm. the Padres, I think, I think at the beginning of the week was when Tatis went down with the, yeah. with the, the torn labrum. Yeah, so, that was that. I mean, that was something that I we were gonna have to talk about at some point. Yeah. But uh, for luckily for the Padres, something a little more exciting happened. That's what. And, that's uh, what I mean. So, you know, like, your best player goes down. You're thinking, oh man, like, like hopefully this isn't like a completely missed opportunity. He he'll he'll probably be back later on. Like, he, he was outfielding the other day and taking some oh. swings. So they're hoping to have him back sooner than uh, I think people initially thought when they saw it. Because I mean, it was a no contact on a swing yeah. when he got hurt, but. It's definitely um, good to see him out taking reps in the, the cage and on the field. 
Yeah, so he'll he'll be back, and it was it was it was definitely a gift for the Padres fans that thought that their season was probably going to be over, mm-hmm. and it also shows how deep this Padres rotation is. You know, yeah. you, you obviously when you look at just the last couple months, you, you all you think of is Blake Snell and you Darvish, mm-hmm. but then all of a sudden, you know, you got you you still have Chris Paddock, you have, and then you have this kid Joe Musgrove who just threw a no hitter. Like it's unreal when you think about like come playoff time when it. Not really the not really the division series because that's just best of five, but like a best of seven when you have this deep of a rotation plus you know you have some decent arms in the bullpen. There are like they in terms of punch for punch, they stack right up with the Dodgers. That's why yeah. this race is this race is going to be so fun to watch all year. It's going to be a lot of fun. And just to wrap up, what Musgrove has done so far, he's two and zero. He's made two starts. Obviously, he had the the no hitter, but he's thrown 15 total innings. He's only given up three hits, and he's given up no runs up to this point. I know <laughs> it's very early, and obviously, he's only made two starts, but that's an impressive first two starts for the kid. And having that towards the back half of the rotation can only help the Padres when it comes down to it. So, I mean, you you said it perfectly. The Padres rotation is very deep, and they can compete with the Dodgers and they, they really do have that rotation to compete with the Dodgers. So that wraps up the, the big event from the week in the first no hitter of the season and the first in Padres franchise history. But next we're going to go over to probably the most controversial thing that happened this week in baseball. And again, we're going to Sunday night baseball. I mean, last week we talked about the Sunday night game a lot just because of the electricity that Shohei Otani was able to produce in that game. But this week's Sunday night game had a bit of controversy when it came down to the ending. So for all the people that didn't catch the game, it was the Phillies and Atlanta Braves at Truist Park in Atlanta. It was 3-3 in the top of the ninth, and Didi Gregorius was up, and the technically still rookie third baseman Alec Bohm was on third for the Phillies. There's one out, and Didi hit a little fly ball that was relatively shallow to left field. Marcelo Zuna had camped under it. I honestly thought they weren't going to send Bohm from third, but they ended up rolling the dice and sending Alec Bohm from third. He tagged up, and Ozuna put a pretty good throw on. It was a little down the third baseline, which forced Darno to go out and get it. But Darno got the ball, came back, applied a tag, and Bohm was called safe. Initially, to the naked eye, in full speed, it looked like there was a possibility that Bohm could have clipped the far side of home plate. But, of course, this play went to replay, as it should have. You know, if you're the Atlanta Braves in that situation, you're obviously going to want to go to replay because of how close the play was. It was a bang-bang play at home. The play goes to replay. There is a few initial looks that you can't really tell and then they come out with a couple of different clips, and it's clear to see that Alec Bohm had never touched home plate and was also tagged out, but had just never made contact with home plate and at any part of his slide. His foot came up, and then when it had landed, it ended up on the opposite side of the bag, and he stood up and never made contact with home. After a fairly lengthy review, the umpires come back and rule that Bohm was safe. And that was the go-ahead run, and it ended up being the winning run, and the Phillies won four to, th- uh, four to three or seven six. They won seven six, seven six. I was thinking about the Braves game from last night that I watched. They won seven six, but 
that run ended up being the the game winning one and it caused a lot of controversy on twitter and you know it's bad what mike trout's tweeting about it and mike trout had tweeted about it and mike trout's <laughs> a guy that doesn't doesn't ever really voice his opinion Never about tweets. anything the only yeah. time he really has voiced his opinion was with the Astros cheating scandal after that he voiced his opinion on that but you don't hear much from Trout, and Trout responded to this. He uh, he replied to a tweet about the replay system just not working well, and he simply said, like, let me pull up the actual tweet, but while I do that, Tom, why don't you give your, your thoughts on this? It was the worst thing I've ever seen. I, listen, I didn't watch the game. I wasn't watching the game. I don't know why. I, don't, I forgot what I was doing. I wasn't watching the game, but obviously, you know, I kind of felt my phone going crazy. That was a sign that Twitter was going nuts about something. Mm -hmm. So I took a look and that's what it was about. I'm probably going to sound very rhetorical and very like like repeated because it's what everyone's been saying all week. Why we've evolved so much as like sports and just, you know, as, as like a sports industry where we, you know, we have these crazy replay. we, We have this crazy replay system with a million different angles and it's designed to solve issues like this. Obviously, we don't really uh, we don't give umpires a lot of credit. No. Being an um, being an umpire, uh, so being an official, especially in baseball, is probably like especially at home plate is probably one of the hardest things to do that I can really think of in terms of non-player in sports. Like one of my family friends, he was he he was an umpire for a while. He was building his way up into the minors it it's a job like it's like it's hard like you like you have to actually know what you're doing so you know the replay system is because obviously umpires they can't get everything right obviously it's it's impossible so this replay system is meant to not really take over from umpires but if they make a mistake it's meant to right that wrong and this like toot said there was that one you're, you're looking at all the angles you're like yeah you can't really tell and then there was the one angle where it was you, so obvious. You pause it frame by frame, and his foot never touches the plate. So that, that's an easy out. It's still a tie game. Who, who knows how the game could have went? Baseball is lucky that wasn't like the Yankees that that happened to. I would have lost my mind. I would have lost my mind. So obviously, you know, like those, those weren't our teams. But still, just as a baseball fan, that's why this is where I'm going to sound uh, like everybody else. Why do we have this fancy, this fancy schmancy advanced replay system if you're not going to listen to it? And I saw Buster only tweeted it uh, from ESPN that night. He said the only way I can think of the only the only thing I can think of is they the MLB has uh, another camera angle that we don't know about. But like, and this this is when he said, if that's the case, tell us that. You know what I mean? Like, tell us yeah. that yesterday morning. At like 12 hours after the game, when, when they when they sent out their like officials report or whatever, be like, you know mm-hmm. what? We we we, ha- we have a top secret camera angle that we use for all these games. We saw he was safe, or we really or we really, really couldn't see if he was if he was truly out or not. So we so we didn't overrule it. But the MLB is super shady, super sketchy. They never explain things right. Rob Manfred's a crazy commissioner, never n- never explains things. I don't know, man. It was just frustrating to see. So like when I was, when my dad was asking me about it yesterday and I was explaining it to him, like these are things you expect to happen like back in the day, like back in the old days, you know, like an ump, an ump botches a call. They show the replay maybe once 
but they can't really do, any, do anything about it. Baseball has evolved so much where now, obviously now you can challenge things, but there's 70 million different camera angles. Mm-hmm. And we finally got one that caught the, caught the foot not touching the bag. Yeah. It was crazy. Really, really bad. And of course, for the, which makes it worse for the MLB, it was Sunday Night Baseball. It was a mm-hmm. nationally televised game. So everyone that, that was able to watch the game was probably watching it. Yeah. It was, and it was crazy. I mean, your point about it possibly being Yankees. I mean, the Braves have a massive following in, no, exactly. in the South. Exactly. And it's it, a lot of Braves fans on Twitter were upset about it, as they should be. Absolutely. And it's just at this point with all the advantages we've seen from replay, these are the things that just need to be get need to be called right at this point. Yeah. There, there's no excuse for honestly, in my opinion, there's no excuse for a call being blown this bad. It's it's all right if an umpire makes a mistake in real time. It's it's human nature mm-hmm. and to not have the replay correct it. It's just I, I don't understand it. I don't understand how the New York offices that uh, review the replays didn't come back and rule him out. It's honestly embarrassing that <laughs> it goes to replay and everyone, everyone watching it. I had five of my friends. We were watching it. We're like, he never touched home. They like mm-hmm. he's going to be out, and they come back and rule him safe. And it's like, how how can you get this wrong when you have such a clear look at it, and fans at home are seeing the replay. 15 20 times while the umps are looking at it and they're all like yeah he's he's gonna be out and then they come back and say safe i just don't get how that process works and i don't get if there is some top secret camera or whatever i don't get how that top secret camera would have even seen him touch home plate right because he didn't it was clear that his cleat was lifted off the ground and only made contact with the ground again in the uh, in the right or left-handed batter's box on the other side of home plate, and he just he never at any point re-stepped on home plate. It was so bad. Listen, he, it, even if he did, he was still out because Darno got a tag on him. Right. Listen, it, ha- it it happens in football. It happens in basketball. There there's there's plays. There's angles where you know for for football you can't really see if his if his toe tapped if his knee hit mm. the ground. Basketball, when balls go out of bounds, you got to really try and see if it actually hit the kid's finger or not. Baseball, his foot was either on the bag or it wasn't. And it just, it simply wasn't. It was crazy. It was so was, far from it. But now imagine being that kid. You're a rookie. You're in Sunday Night Baseball. You're tagging up to be, to be, to, to, to take the lead against your, against your division rival on Sunday Night Baseball. And you're involved in all of this. Yeah. And I mean, it's crazy to me. I think the craziest thing is that Marcelo soon is a former gold glove winner and the Phillies right. decided to tag on him on a shallow fly ball. I was like mm-hmm. watching that play unfold. I was like, Oh, DD didn't hit far enough. There's no way. And then seeing him tag him, like, what are they doing? And then, I mean, it Amazing. worked out in the end. And just to circle back on, uh, I said, I was going to go find exactly what Mike Trout tweeted. So, mm-hmm. uh, Former Red Sox and World Series champ in 2013, Will Middlebrooks tweeted, how do you watch that replay and say he's safe? Ha ha, this is a joke. And to that, Trout replied, so bad, dot, 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 with the laughing face emoji. And the last time Trout tweeted anything was April 11th, just tweeting that he's flying to Kansas City for their matchup with uh, the Royals. But 
I mean, I love Trout. Trout Trout doesn't Trout doesn't ever really tweet anything. On so if he uh, tweets, you know it's bad. Yeah, and it, most of his tweets are all either videos, uh, pictures of him and his kid, or of his wife and his kid, or retweeting Angels tweets about the game, or tweeting that right. he's flying to whatever city for a game, or tweeting at Angels fans about getting hyped for the season. This is a guy that steers clear of all of the controversy in Major League Baseball. Very rarely talks about the state of the game. Mm-hmm. And it's part of the reason that people say that Mike Trout's so boring. It's just because he doesn't he doesn't like to get involved in stuff like this. So when a guy like Trout, your best player, is <laughs> tweeting about this, I, I just – it blows my mind that the MLB hasn't really said much about it. And it, it – and it blows my mind that he was even ever called safe on a replay review. But yeah. It, yeah. Uh, other than that, I know you said you, you didn't catch the game, but yeah. another great Sunday night baseball game, a lot of offense. I mean, we saw home runs out of a lot of guys. Harper hit a bomb off of. Bri- uh, let me, let me stop you right there. And then you can continue. Mm-hmm. Bryce Harper's home runs are the sexiest thing in baseball. You, you can't tell me otherwise. When he – it's the way he swings. He puts one 110% effort into every single swing. So when he makes contact, that ball goes out of the stadium. I'm sorry. Continue, continue, continue. Yeah, no. Harper Harper hit a laser uh, <laughs> to left field. Like you said, he puts 110% into the swing, and he hit an absolute laser to the opposite field. Acuna hit so a good. bomb to dead center. Uh, right after Harper had hit a home run. So, I mean, it was just a super exciting game and to have it end in such a big, yeah, uh, a big controversy with the replay. It's just, it's unfortunate that the game ended like that in what had been such an exciting game up to that point. But then again, it got people talking and, and also, yo, Okunia, obviously we're only 10 games in. Okunia is running away with that MVP right now. Yeah. I mean, this is a guy that, we have so many young guys that I feel like are, are, so are talked good. about as like the face of baseball. Yeah. And it, it, it feels like it switches every week, almost depending on who's every having, day, it, who's having that week. And yeah, you know, it's just like, it, it's such a fun time in the game with all these bright young stars. And then you, mm-hmm. you, you see the bright young stars and then you retract back to guys like trout and even a guy like Bryce Harper, when they're, they're having the hot weeks, you're like, yeah, there's these young guys, but then these these guys that have been doing it and doing it for longer, and they came into the league at 18, 19 years yeah. old, and it's like it's awesome. 20 years old, and it's like, can you really call him the face of the baseball yet? Or are we are we still just gonna say in another week that it's someone else? But it's it's just awesome for the game that there's so many bright young stars and bright young stars that are performing well and at the <laughs> highest stage. Well, because you know what's crazy? Like, if you really, really think about it, the guys that are winning MVPs, the guys that are, like, final being the final, like, they're in the final voting for MVPs, the Cy Youngs, yo, they're all, like, right around 30 or younger. You know what I mean? It's not like you have, like, like back in 2012, like, Jeter was hitting, like, 338 at, like, 38 years old. So, like, obviously, like, like, like that's crazy. But then, like, you, you know, you don't have – like, I feel like there's so, like, the gap of talent between, like, 20 and 30 
Like baseball has gotten so much younger, so quicker. Like I feel like uh, back in the day, obviously back in the day, th- these guys were just different breeds. They would play until like they're in their forties, but like uh, all the top, t- obviously you have old guys like Nelson Cruz pimping 40 homers a year. You have guys like that, but in terms of the top talent in baseball, like I'm sure the top 10 is no older than like 31 and a half. Like they're all that and younger. It's awesome. Yeah. Just like you said, we talked about it that first episode, I think for a, for a time where baseball kind of had to do something because they were losing a lot of fans and, you know, th- some were calling it a dying sport and then beat boop bop Alakazam. You get all this young talent. It's crazy. Crazy. That, yeah, that, it, that's it. That's my little, it, I love, I mean, I it's, love just, it's just great for the game and it's great for the game to have these nationally televised games that are, you know, it's unfortunate that a controversy happened, but two right. two weeks in a row, we've had great Sunday night baseball games in terms of the play on the field and what has been produced out of these games in terms of excitement level, stuff that's happened in the middle of the game, and then now even a little bit of controversy at the end of the game. It only Controversy only gets people talking about the game, so it may not be – you know, for Braves fans, it may not be the best, but it in the long run, it's it's still early in the season. So does this have an impact no. on the season as a whole? Right now, I'd say no. Maybe maybe if it's a one game right. at the end of the season, we're going to look back on this and be like, well, you know, the Braves might have won that game. But for right now, it's it's a controversy that just gets people talking about the game, which is only only a good thing for baseball at the moment um, in terms of getting people talking about the game. In the long run, it's a little bad on baseball just because we have a replay mm-hmm. system that is in place that should get these calls correct. But at the end of the day, it's it's just exciting to see two great games on back-to-back nights at Sunday Night Baseball with – some great players being showcased and uh, I'm just pumped that we had two great Sunday night baseball games so far. My expectations for Sunday night baseball this season are now really high. So hopefully they can live up to them just based on how great these first two have been. But you know what we need? What do we need? And then, and then I'm done and then we can move on if you want. Mm -hmm. We need, it's never going to happen because Manfred and the MLB are do like, they'll just never, they'll never do that. There's not enough. I know we're on the East Coast. I'm sure if you're if you're more towards like the middle of the country, like you, you kind of you might be able to pick up more. We don't have enough games on TV. Like you know how in college basketball, like all the conferences have different TV deals. So like mm-hmm. there's games on Fox Sports One every single night, games on CBS Sports Network every single night, stuff like that. Um, like ESPN, ESPN Two. Mm-hmm. We like I want that environment even if it's only like maybe like a weekend thing like i want like on a saturday you know like let's say the yankees are on a one and and then so obviously they're done around four i don't want to have to wait until like espn it's at eight o'clock that night to watch the next nationally televised game Mm -hmm. i want more even if it's just more of like regional stuff so i you know we get like we get all the phillies games all like all like the upper east coast yeah like just i i feel like because of, of course, there's so much talent across the entire league, and you know you're you're, you're definitely not going to get a lot of West Coast stuff. But 
Like, I just, I don't, I don't know. I don't know if, I don't know if I'm making any sense. Like I want to watch more baseball and like, we can't cause like, unless you, I guess, unless, unless you stream everything, but yeah, no, I get what you mean. I mean, and that, that brings up the, the real big problem with baseball in terms of marketing. Yeah. And that's, that's a deeper problem than, I mean, we could, we could have an episode solely based on the problems with marketing in major league baseball. Mm -hmm. Um, Personally, I get the uh, every year I, I get uh, MLB TV just because I'm a Red Sox fan and I can't I can't watch the games on regular cable down here. So yeah. I've had MLB TV since I was little and I really started fully getting into the Red Sox and that became offered to because like, it wasn't originally offered on cable. But once it was, my dad got it, obviously, so we could watch the Red Sox together. And that, that has its advantages because I'm able to watch every game. But then again, if I want to watch the Yankees or Mets, and let's say I, I, for example, here at school, our cable hasn't worked all year, <laughs> our TV, so we can't watch cable TV. Yeah. But I'm blacked out in this area. I can't watch Yankee games on MLB TV app, even though I pay for it. Yeah. I, I can't watch the Yankees unless I'm out of the region where they're carried. Yeah. Which is another problem with the marketing scheme. And it's just, there, there are still a lot of problems with the game and the point where we're at and those problems aren't just you know on the field problems like replay and stuff but there's marketing problems that at at this point in time only hold the game back from really growing but i don't want to get into that discussion because right right it was just that for for days up into my head Cause no, like, I, I totally I also, get where you're coming from with that. Yeah, because like, and also like, I'm looking point. like, I look back at the at the poster you have of like all the mm -hmm. teams behind you, and I'm like, like yo, I like I would watch the White Sox every every chance I could get. You know, yeah. I'd watch the Braves every chance I could get. It just sucks. It needs to get better. But again, we could talk about that all day. Yeah, Let's and I mean, the, the, just to touch on that point, I know the only other way I I have some friends that don't have the MLB TV app and they they stream it on third party websites yeah. that are that are a little shady and it's like <laughs> the mlb should want to deter that like right. i know uh with the ufc normally at school we don't really like to pay for the big ufc fights just because mm -hmm. it's like paying 80 bucks and there could be good fights like once a month so like paying 80 bucks once a month for us to watch we're like ah let's not do that let's stream it off one of these third-party sites and i know dana white has put a big emphasis on trying to ban every third-party site but it's like as the mlb they should want to try to have more of these games yeah spread out there and i mean mlb network does a decent job at getting games out there but it's it's the money grab and you know they want you to buy either espn plus because espn plus tends to have some extra games on it or the mlb tv app and mm -hmm. even then you're restricted with where you are and what you can watch so it's just it's a bigger problem. Maybe we can get into that in a different episode, but yeah. yeah the next thing on. I want to move on to, and this is just going to be a really quick point. Mm -hmm. um, we wanted to bring it up just because we know that more than likely there's not going to be a lot of Diamondbacks talk. And <laughs> there's, there's a few teams that it's going to be like this. So when we see stuff like this, we want to just shine a light on it. Just so people know that we are, we are in tune with, the, the teams in the league that may not be doing so well or maybe not the the teams that are going to get clicks. But the Arizona Diamondbacks had a little bit of history set with Tim LaCastro. 
He is now 28 for 28 in his career in stolen base attempts. And this pass is a record set by Hall of Famer Tim Raines, who was 27 for 27. So obviously one more steal. And I had to look this up, but uh, LeCastro has played since 2017. So he's accumulated these steals over the course of four years, which might not sound that impressive. But when you go and look at his first two years with the Dodgers, he played, he had maybe, I think what I say, 21 plate appearances right around there. So not a lot of, not a lot of plate appearances for him, but pretty cool to see. And another interesting fact I looked up, he is actually the sprint speed leader in major league baseball in terms of average sprint speed. Wow. Um, Which I, I was pretty shocked at. I think most people would expect it to be Byron Buxton just because Buxton plays on a better team and gets a little bit more of uh, a little more attention through the benefit of playing on a better team. Or but, even like, even like uh Maldonado on Kansas city. Mondesi. Mon- what did I say? Maldonado. Catch that's it, not, not fast, not fast. Yeah, yeah that's but, that, my bad. But yeah, LeCastro actually is the, the top sprint speed guy in baseball, but that's all we had on that. Just a pretty cool, little piece of major league baseball history that was set in this past week. And now we're going to move on to our last big well, topic. Wait, I want, I want to okay. add real quick. I think if everyone, I think if everyone, if there was a baseball stat or like, you know, or like a tidbit that related to everyone as a person, this would be my stat. Been in the league for four years, had played appearances here and there, but accumulated 28 total steals and was safe for all of them. It's not like, you know, it's not like we're months from now and he's 28 for 28 in one year. Mm-hmm. He's been in the league for four years, give yeah. or take how many games he played. Like that would, that'd be, that'd be something that happened to me. I don't play all year, every year. I come in once in a while. I still obey. I'm not fast at all. So I would never steal bases, but I feel like like 28 for 28 is an awesome number and it's over like four years. Yeah. So I definitely have to keep track of this now because this is, this is awesome. No, it's cool. It's a weird little, weird little tidbit and could be used in some like baseball trivia and just something cool to know uh by the way he's two for two so far this year on stolen base attempts Mm -hmm. but now we're going to move over to our final discussion before we move into our weekly red Sox and yankees talk and this discussion again we talked about them last week and last week was due to something that they really can't control but this week it's entirely the ball is in their court and that is the New York Mets and in particular, Jacob deGrom. So deGrom pitched the other day and his stat line read eight innings pitch. He had one, one run, one earned run and had 14 strikeouts, gave up five hits and the Mets lost. The Mets lost three nothing. Degrom came out after eight, and then Edwin Diaz ended up giving up two runs in the ninth. And another layer to this is Degrom had one of the Mets three hits in this game. The Mets had three total hits, and Degrom had one of them. It makes me sick, and I'm not even a Met fan. Are we surprised this happened? This is no. going to keep happening. We're not, we're not surprised at all this happened. This has been happening. I saw a tweet that day. Mm-hmm. DeGrom's 187 starts or whatever. Let's, let's round up and say 190. 
He's given up one run or fewer in like 85 of them. I think it was in 187, and I think it was 85 or 87 starts. It was right, right. along so, there. So, like, you know, that's – it's like a, that's, a little bit less than half, but just about half it's of dominant. his start, He's given up one run or less. So that's either one run or no runs. Yeah. The Mets have lost half of those like 85 games or whatever mm-hmm. that he's done that. That is horrible. And I know, I know, I know it opened a lot of people's eyes in I think 2018 when he won that Cy Young. He mm-hmm. had like a he had like a 189 ERA and, and a losing and, record. And his record was like 10 and 13. Yeah. It's hard. Like you just it, it almost seems like the Mets are scared to like hit when he pitches. It's like they forget to hit when he pitches. Like, or forget and, how to hit, rather. And like you said, he got a hit the other day when that happened. The in his last three starts, as a Met, on the Mets, his last three starts, he is he is tied for the most hits on the team. Because obviously, which is he, crazy. Because he obviously he bats every time he he pitches. Yeah. That can happen. I understand. Yeah. I understand if your pitcher can hit because most pitchers that most nationally pitchers that hit are usually just a strikeout or hopefully mm-hmm. even a walk. But like, so yeah, it's nice that he can hit, but that shouldn't be happening, especially with the talent the Mets have now. It's horrible. horrible. Yeah. And I feel like you said it, especially with the talent the Mets have this year. You you can't throw away <laughs> Jacob Degrom starts. There no. are games that should be guaranteed wins for the Mets every fifth day. Another interesting point was DeGrom's one earned run was on a home run by Jazz Chisholm. That's it. And it was actually the first home run DeGrom has ever given up when he's ahead on a batter 0-2 in his career. He had never given up a home run in an 0-2 count, and Jazz Chisholm was the first one to do it, and he did it on a 100-mile-an-hour fastball that was up (laughs) and slightly away. Wow. So he got lucky pretty much. Just to just to start off the year, let's look at how the Mets have done in Degrom's starts. Degrom's made two starts so far in 2021 for the Mets. He's got a .64 ERA and 21 strikeouts with a 0.71 WHIP. The Mets are 0-2 in Jacob Degrom starts. Degrom's mm-hmm. only 0-1, but the Mets are 0-2 in Degrom starts. And that's what bothered me the most. That that thing, that second to last thing you just said. So he pitched that phenomenal game. And he was still he was still in line for a loss. Yeah, horrible. And this is another stat that has been circulating around on Twitter and everything. Since 2018, Jacob Degrom has an ERA of 2.06 in 78 starts. The Mets in those starts are 36 and 42 since 2018. Mm-hmm. That that ERA. Granted, ERA and some of the more older stats have kind of like been pushed out, and yeah, you know, there's a whole turn on more advanced metrics. But ERA still can tell a very big tale with pitchers. The fact that a guy is going out there and since 2018 has had an ERA of two zero six, basically those are, those are video game numbers. Basically two and. To be six games under 500 in those starts is a joke. And, I mean, you said it earlier, but 
with the talent the Mets have this year, there's no excuse that they should be losing these games. And if they, if the Mets want to be a playoff team, they have to win Jacob DeGrom's start days. You have to. It's just, there's no way around it. The, the Mets need to be winning when Jacob DeGrom is on the map, especially if, you, if he's out there giving up one run a game. If you think about it, starters start an average of what, like 30, 30 starts a year in a full mm-hmm. one season, two? barring injuries, of course. So you're, so you get DeGrom on the mound for what, for let's say like an even 30, 30 games. There's no reason Jacob DeGrom shouldn't be a 20 game winner. I, I, like Right. I know, every year. That's so like, I'm saying like, so you have him on the mound for 30 games. That's 30 games you can win. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not saying you're going to win all of them. Cause obviously anything can happen in baseball and, you know, any, and you know, any, any, like anything can happen, but like that's literally 30 games where the other team's only scoring one, maybe two runs. So all you literally have to do is just, Hit two, score two or three runs, and you're gonna win the game. Yeah, there's no reason you should have a losing record. It's obviously like obviously you're not gonna win every game, right? But, but when to have to have a losing record when he's out there, it should never happen. No, and it's just unfortunate to see because Degrom is right now the best pitcher in baseball. Yep, he'll probably go down as his generation's most dominant pitcher. Mm-hmm. And it's like, how the hell are the Mets winning more games? It when you when you look at the last few years, and the Mets always make that that like September push for mm-hmm. the for the last wild card spot, and they always wind up like five or six games short. Go back and look. Obviously, we're not going to do that right now. But like for for people that are listening, whenever, especially if you're Mets fans, well, they probably won't check because they're probably just sick out of their minds anyway. But like whenever the Mets come like five or six games short of that last wild card spot, if you look back, I'm sure they lost. 10 games where DeGrom pitched. Yeah. And that obviously it's, it's, it's over months. It's over a month, a month sample size, like months worth of sample size, but that's what misses you out of the playoffs. Yeah. If you, so like the, like, well, I'll bring it up later when I talk about the Yankees, but like, you know, the Yankees, the Yankees can be horrible all week, but when Cole pitches, at least they do what they have to do in a sense to get mm-hmm. that win. Cause Cole's, Cole's only giving up one or two runs, just, just like the ground. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, like, just the Mets, like, just – we want to – I know I bash on them all the time, but, like, when the Mets are good, Queens, that whole area, and, like, even, like, we have boys that are Mets fans, it's like a brighter – like, baseball is brighter in a sense. Like, the sun is shining brighter. Yeah. No, it's it's definitely cool when the Mets are winning. I Yeah. I, I – to be honest, I somewhat enjoy it when they're winning, and it's mm-hmm. – it's, it's funny when they're not winning because it's just funny to see. It's like, oh, the Mets again, which is the funny. Mets but are- when the Mets are good, it's, it's all it's it's cool. I mean, to have two good baseball teams in New York is it's always right. exciting for the game. The Mets but- are one of the Mets are one of sorry, I keep cutting you off. The Mets are one of few, few teams in baseball that essentially have a win. A guarant- They should have a guaranteed win mm-hmm. every fifth day. And they're just not. They're not capitalizing. They just don't do it. it, yeah. Well, that wraps up our <laughs> what might turn into a, a weekly Mets discussion. Be at this, this rate, we're going. We've talked about going. Mets every week so far, so yeah. it might end up being Mets talk every week too. But let's get into the Red Sox and Yankees. Two uh, two different weeks in terms of how they went, and 
Tom, do you want me to go first or do you want to go first? I'm kind of hot right now. You go first. I got to cool down a little bit. All right. I'll go first. So everyone knows how the Red Sox season started dropping the first three to Baltimore at home. And last week I said, you know, I coming into the season, I was worried about the pitching. I thought the offense would be there. And I said that in terms of over the weekend, it wasn't really the offense or it wasn't the pitching that let me down in the first three games. It was the offense. And going into the Monday night game with Tampa, I was worried that the Red Sox would only be losing more. And that's not what happened. The Red Sox have won six straight. They beat the Rays 11 to two Monday night and then six to five, nine to two. So they swept the Rays and then they go to Baltimore and face the team that had just swept them. They win the first one, seven to three. They had an off day, then won six to four, and then won 14 to nine on Sunday. And Sunday was an offensive onslaught by them. You had J.D. Martinez hitting three home runs. Devers had two home runs. Verdugo had a home run. They gave up nine runs, but when you're scoring 14, it's hard to beat that. And the offense turned it around, man. I mean, I, I was a little concerned with where the offense was after the series at Fenway with Baltimore. I was concerned that maybe the Red Sox weren't going to hit enough, but the offense turned it around and the pitching for the most part was very solid. JD Martinez wins AL player of the week after last week, just to read off his stats. Cause JD's JD's raking destroying the ball right now. He's, Got five home runs, which is tied for the lead. He's got seven doubles, 16 RBIs, batting 472. I mean, JD's destroying the baseball right now. He's seeing it so well. And this was coming off a season last year where JD didn't play well. And a lot of people in Boston were like, maybe this guy's on the decline. You know, maybe it's getting to the latter half of his career and he's really not going to be the same JD Martinez. He was in 2018. And even in spring, he was not all there. And JD's a guy normally in spring that doesn't really try to hit home runs. Right. So knowing that like mo- most hardcore fans know that JD is not a big home run hitter in spring training. And some guys are just like that. David Ortiz was like that, but for the casual fans, not seeing JD Martinez having home runs in spring training, you're like, shit, does this, is this guy going to have another 2020 season? And he's just come out and totally flipped the script on that and has been one of the hottest hitters in baseball to start the year. He's leading in a bunch of off cat offensive categories, if not tied for first or hovering around the first place mark. And Another guy that picked it up this week was Rafael Devers. Yep. He was he was kind of in the first series with Baltimore. And even in the series with the Rays, it was like, ah, Devers, Devers kind of looked a little off. But then in Baltimore, he had a home run in every game they played in Baltimore. And then hit two on Sunday. He's already at four home runs. He's got 10 RBIs. And he he started to pick it up. The average is still a little low, but Devers isn't a big hit for average guy he's he's a power and extra base hit guy 
he's going to hit doubles and home runs. And that's what you expect from Devers. So you're not really looking for the average. And then even a guy like Christian Vasquez, who had a good first series, he's kept it going, had a big home run against the Rays and has had some big hits in the series they've won so far. And the Sox are in first in the East. I mean, I know it's early, but they've won six in a row. They have the longest win streak in baseball. And it's just, you know, I don't know where this season's going to lead with the Red Sox. Mm-hmm. It could go down and go down quick. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and be like, the Red Sox are the best team in the American right. League East because I very well know that they could do a whole 180 on this team and it could just go downhill completely. But as of right now, I'm excited. I get excited to watch the Red Sox even when they're bad. But right now, it, it makes watching the Red Sox easy and enjoyable. And I'm just pumped right now, man. I mean, based off how opening weekend went, I was down in my dumps thinking that it was going to be a bad season and a bad season from the start. But I've got a little bit of hope right now, and I'm thoroughly enjoying taking this hope and running with it. And I'll take first place in the East right now. It, I, I, I'm pretty sure this is the first time the Sox have held sole possession of first place in the East since 2018. So wow. it, it's nice to see that they had a great week, but I want them to keep building off this. Obviously they're not going to sweep every week. Right. Like They're not going to win six games in a week, every week. But if the Red Sox can just be consistent and having winning weeks down the line, that can take them into the playoffs and absolutely anything could happen in the playoffs. So as of right now, I'm excited. Hopefully this week goes well too. Do I think they're going to win six in a row again? No, I, I think eventually at some point this week, there'll be a game and the Red Sox will fall. But as long as they keep winning series, that's all that matters to me. But listen, I'm pumped right now. As you should be too. Listen, I'm a humble guy. I don't like to toot my own horn a lot, but didn't that say it was going to happen? You guys were 0 3. You looked like you looked like the bad news bears, a pure just middle school baseball team. And I but then I said, I said it would not surprise me if you guys showed up and swept Tampa this weekend. And you, and that's exactly what you did. And I mean you, you did more than that. You won, you swept the whole nother series, beat Boop Pop, you're six and three. Um listen, Jay, Jay, I don't obviously don't watch the Red Sox, but until they play the Yankees, but dude, J, JD's looking like 2018. Just the way when you just when you look at just how much more comfortable he is again in, in the box and the way he's swinging the bat and just it's just he's he's such a good hitter. He looks and, so good right now. At the yeah, and like you said, Devers woke up. I don't know if it's the mustache or whatever, but he woke up. It's the high he, socks. He started wearing high socks. There you go. Listen, the red. So I have a really. I thought about this last night. I wrote it down in my notes because I really wanted to mention it. I have a really, really hot take, which is going to segue into when I talk about, unfortunately, my Yankees. But uh, no, listen, you're in. You're in what's called the fun stage as a fan because you came into this year with very, very, very low expectations. So whenever they go on six game winning streaks like this, you're through the roof. And obviously when they lose, you're like, you know what? Like, like we, like we, we, we played okay, but like we lost the game or whatever. Even, even if, even if you play bad, you're like, you know what? We're, we're really not that good. Mm-hmm. The Red Sox are probably going to be a streaky team. I think all year, I think you're going to have weeks where 
like you said, you're going to win six, you're going to win six games in a week. Yeah. And then there'll be times where you where you'll go like two and four or something like that, depending on how many games you play. But so this is where my hot take comes in. Listen, you guys are you guys are going to be very streaky. I think I think that's just the way you, you you guys are built to be this year. And like you said, when you're scoring 13 runs a game, it doesn't matter because you, your win percentage automatically goes all the way up. Mm-hmm. And like you said, the pitching hasn't even really been a problem. Not, again, not for you, knock on wood. But uh, no, I mean, you, you, your your offense was always there. Now guys are finally starting to hit. It'd be nice to see. Uh, I don't know what his numbers are, but it'd be nice to see Xander Bogarts start start mashing a little bit too. Bogarts has been hitting. He just hasn't hit home runs yet. And that's why extra base hits, but I'm, I'll get you the stats right now, but Bogarts has been hitting. Oh. It's just that the guys around him have been hitting, hitting so much a little bit more for power Yeah, to start the year. But Bogarts is a guy that's going to hit. I'm not worried about Bogarts at all. Yeah. He's got 12 hits so far. He's batting 375. Oh, never mind. He's got two RBIs. So he's he's so quietly he, raking. He's hitting, else but he's just, yeah. he hasn't been – he's only got the two doubles so far and no home runs, so it's Makes not sense. like he's been hitting for power yet. But uh, Bogarts is – on my scale of worriness, Bogarts is last for the Red yeah. Sox because yeah. I know I know Bogarts is going to hit. I don't really worry about him. But I'm just pumped, man. The Sox, the Sox got hot, and if it's only for yeah. a week – at a time, I'm fine with that because a couple good weeks could get him into the playoffs. But um, let's uh, let's transition over to the Yanks. So this is where this is where that that really bold, hot, bold, scorching take is going to come into play. Um, I'm going to try and keep my head relatively stable because uh, even when my dad was asking me simple questions about the Yankees uh, Sunday. It's just I, I wind up going on and on and on to the point where I, I almost sound like really agitated. And most of the time I am, but I'm going to be I'm going to be OK. Because so here's my take. I would rather the Yankees, the New York Yankees, be in the position they were in in 2017. Every year compared to the position they've been in the last three years. Can I tell you why? Why is that? So do you remember? Do you remember the year twenty seventeen? The Yankees were like there was like their cool like rebuilding year, the baby yeah. bombers, and then they squeaked into the playoffs, escaped the Twins in the wild card, and then made a run all the way to Game Seven of the ALCS. Mm-hmm. That was a pure underdog Cinderella story. It was awesome. They were such a special team, and then they jumped from there. They traded for they traded for John Carlos and then all of a sudden they're perennial World Series contenders. And, and they have expectations up put on them through the roof. Here we are three years later. It's the same situation, and they've won zero World Series. So this is my thing with the Yankees. And a lot of people, a lot of people don't really know what I'm talking about, or like they, they'll just automatically disagree with me. The again, we're only, I think they're five and five. Yeah. So we're mm-hmm. only 10 games in. So this is also why I think it's – I honestly think I need to take maybe a break and maybe not watch them for a week or something, just maybe go on a little hiatus or whatever because it's, it's it's not going to be healthy for a full year. But, dude, the Yankees just don't look like they want to be there right now. Yeah. I've I've heard that from a lot of my, my roommates here that they, they're disappointed with how guys are like, going out there. Like, listen, so the only the only – 
and by only, I mean literally the one and only positive I am mm-hmm. taking from these first 10 games is for the most part, the pitching has been good. The bullpen's been dominant, which we didn't really know what to expect from that. Yeah. Cole obviously is Cole. I just, I, I love that man so much. And, but like, and then, you know, the rest of the rotation is done decent. JMO did good for that one start he did, mm-hmm. considering wh- where he was a couple months ago. Um, but, dude, the lineup. So, obviously, I guess as a positive, you'd rather the pitching be, start off solid and the hitting kind of find their way back soon because I think you can say, too, in a yes or no question, is it easier to bounce back as a hitter or as a pitcher? In, like, a sample size. Like sample it's size would be a hitter. Like, it's easier for a lineup to get things going than, like, an entire yeah. pitching staff. Yeah, there's more off like, time for the staff. Exactly. So, you know, I guess that's a positive. But back to the negative because that's just basically where I am. They just, you know, they don't look like they want to be there. They mm-hmm. they get in their heads so easily. They first of all, they've they, they are they're tied for the most double plays, grounded grounded into double plays with the Padres. But I feel like if you're watching the Padres, you're like, yeah, but like they're smoking everybody, you know, they're throwing yeah. no hitters. There's no way they're up there. I guess they are, but the Yankees just they they're always grounding into double plays. They give up on innings so easily. So like on Sunday, they wound up winning that game in Tampa, but um, Gardner gets caught in a pickle and gets out tr- trying to run home because he he had a, I guess he had a bad read on the ball or something, mm-hmm. which which was fine. But Aaron Judge is still up. He he's still up with a runner on second, two outs. So like you know Aaron Judge, remember like the Aaron Judge, all rise. He's up with a runner on second, two outs, mm-hmm. and it almost just seems like like he he was frazzled because then like the next pitch he grounds he he grounds out the, to the shortstop. So, like, just when I watch this team, you know, and to, but to me, I've been picking it apart more and more now. And it's funny now that I've got it more into like podcasting and stuff, and I develop my own takes, like my own, not professional, yeah. but my own actual takes. When I listen to other Yankees podcasts, when we, when I'm on the same mentality as these like professionals, it's actually kind of funny because I'm like, well, at least like I'm not, I'm not the only one thinking this. Mm-hmm. Yo, Boone's really rattling my cage lately. Boone is like he just to me he seems so scared to like piss anybody off. So you know, Judge, which this so ugh, I can really go on. I we can make should Aaron Hicks be hitting in the three spot? No. So like this. So this this is the thing. People are gonna think I'm so paranoid, which I guess in a sense I am. But there are so many things going on right now. You have Giancarlo Stanton, the designated hitter. For those that need to need to be breaking down, that means he only hits. He's a designated hitter. He does not play the field. So all he does is go up in the box and swing the bat. He needs an off day every two or three days. Why? Couldn't be me. Aaron Judge, which I, this is when I feel bad for Judge because obviously, you know, Judge doesn't tweet, hey, guys, you know, I'm not playing today because of blah, blah, blah. The team announces when a player is out. Mm-hmm. But like Boone will say, Judge is out with general soreness. Listen, too, I've, I stopped playing baseball back when I was little because I was terrible. But in a yes or no question, are you relatively sore after three or four ga- baseball games? You're always sore as a baseball player. Thank, so did everyone hear that? S- say it again one more time briefly. You're always sore as a baseball player. So that's my thing. So, you know, when you hear Aaron Boone saying that Aaron Judge, a professional athlete, is out with general soreness – Again, that could be his way of saying it's something bigger. I'm just not going to tell you guys. But as a fan, 
when you hear one of your best players on the team is out because he's he's a little bit sore, it's it it, it, it it's it's annoying. I'm not I'm, yeah. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. It's annoying. And then you know, and then of course, just because the baseball Twitter accounts know the Yankee fans are rattled, they tweet out, which I showed my dad, and he was he was blown away by it too. They show us uh they show us a stat line of the 2005 Yankees and how many games they played, and you know you have 37 year old Tino Martinez playing 141. You have you know Jorge Posada, the catcher, obviously playing 149. Just I I can go on and on about all that. So when you see it all comes down to this. The only the thing the Yankees need right now is Shane Falco from the replacements. You know why, Toot? Because they need miles and miles of heart. Because right now, I know we're only 10 games in. The play the September's a long time away. This is months and months of baseball left. But mm-hmm. if you're asking me, okay, Tom, 10 games in, what it what where where are you at? There's no heart on this team. And, and like, like a lot of people, like a lot of older people say that too. They're like, I don't know if it's that. It's that. Mm-hmm. Like when they, the, the talent this team has and the potential they have, you like, you want to see, obviously, again, I, I, I'm going to sound, I'm going to sound a little full of myself because, you know, the Yankees are on a two game winning streak, even though they barely squeaked out of those games, but still a win's a win in baseball. But at the same time, you know, just, I'm talking big picture here. Yeah. Like like you said, Aaron Hicks in the three hole. He's batting like 115. Mm-hmm. I know Hicks is I know Hicks is the big uh plate vision guy. He walks a lot, but on base, big on yeah, base guy. Yeah, he, yeah, he's a big, he's a big just getting on base guy. He's a big money ball guy, a big Billy Bean. He gets on base guy. You don't but, want that out of your three hitter though. Right. So a yeah, a three hitter, you as a three hitter, you want to always assume best case scenario, there's a guy on first and second. Yeah, And what are you going to do with that? Walking just makes the bases loaded. Mm-hmm. And the Yankees are statistically the worst in the league with bases loaded. Um, I don't know, man. I, I can go off forever, but like Hicks should not be batting three. The Clint Frazier thing is really pissing me off because they announced, which I told everyone, anyone that mm-hmm. asked me, I, don't, I say everyone, anyone that asked me about it going into spring training when Boone said that Clint Frazier is the starting left fielder, I said – I said, take that with a cube of salt, not a grain of salt. Take it with a cinder block of salt because Boone loves Guardy. Listen, I love Brett Gardner. Brett Gardner has been the most consistent Yankee over the He's last the 10 years. I hate him. Right, exactly. All non-Yankee fans hate him. I love him just because he's been there. He's always been there for us. He never, he never, not, he never doesn't show up, blah, blah, blah. But Boone loves him so much. And, you know, you have this young, you have this young kid, Clint Frazier, who's trying to play. You call, you 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 name him the starting left fielder. He's red hot through the first series and a half. He has two or three bad games, and then Boone benches him for Gardner. And then, of course, just natural science. Gardner does good, so everyone's like, "Yeah, he shouldn't." Gardner should have been there from day one. And then, but for a kid like Clint, as most general baseball fans know, Clint's a head case. He's just he's he's one of those guys that he's either going to be dialed in or be completely thrown off, right? Mm-hmm. So. You, now you bring him back after a few games and he just looks so much more rattled at the plate. Again, I don't know. I don't know the true brain of a baseball, of a, of a professional hitter, but Clint has such an aggressive approach with his bat speed at the plate. So when you see him in an O2 count, just staring at a fastball going right by him down the middle, like he's rattled. He's not, yeah. he's not comfortable. He's got to get that groove back. And 
this is, I always say this. I don't know if this is true or not. You could probably be the, be the answer. Mm-hmm. I, I understand an off day that, you know, like, like, let's say you, let's say you have like five or six bad games in the middle of the year that give you an off day to clear your head. But when an off day turns into an off series where you don't play the entire series, that's not how you bounce back as a hitter. That's not how you develop as Clint Frazier, 27 year old entering his physical prime as a, as a baseball player, he's already proven he can hit he can hit in the MLB. Mm-hmm. That's not how you further develop your game. That's not how, you know, that's not what you want. And, and as a progressive Yankees fan who wants to see new things like, like new guys coming in and performing well, that's not what you want to see. You don't want to see him have two or three bad games and have your manager bench him for, yeah. for, for a week and a half. I'm sorry, guys, that was a lot. But again, there are so many avenues Pot, one positive, the pitching's the pitching's performing very well, give or take a few guys. But the mm-hmm. bullpen's been bullpen's been lights out. Garrett Cole's Garrett Cole. I don't really have to say much uh, about another that. one one earned run game last night. Exactly. So, but for me, it's just it's the lineup. It's Boone. People ask. People say, "Hey, Aaron, we uh, we know. Uh, hey, Aaron Boone, we noticed Aaron Judge. Well, it wasn't in the lineup tonight. Is he injured?" You know what he said? I, mean, I know you saw it already. I don't he know. Go, he, well, he, go, he goes, ah, yeah, you know, that's a really good question. I don't know how to answer that. What? Yeah. It's a simple yes or no question. Is yeah. he injured? It's not what did he injure. It's is he hurt? He's like, I don't know how to answer that. Yeah. And it just bothers me and just, I don't know. I, I feel like, you know, there's teams like the Braves and there's teams like the Dodgers who, and, you know, and, and like the Padres who – they're good mm-hmm. and they're playing hard every game. Yeah. I understand. I don't understand it's baseball. They play for four or five months out of the year. Cold, like cold off days, cold streaks. You know, guys, guys cannot, guys aren't going to hit, guys aren't going to get three hits a game every single game. It's just not physically possible. Yeah, but it doesn't happen. When you see the Yankees lineup, just look. And this, and the other thing, Boone, like the way the Yankees are hitting right now, yo. Fluctuate the lineup a little bit. Move some guys around. Try mm-hmm. and try and wake. You know, like like I'm not I'm I'm not gonna get into crazy specifics, but like I don't know. Do something where like you put DJ in the three hole. And, you know, I don't know. Bat Geo lead off or something. I'm not saying make a permanent solution, but throw guys around. I don't know. Bat Judge clean up for a game. Do we're so early in the season and the guys just they're sleepwalking. They brought in Rugnet Odor, which is kind of nice. Hopefully he brings a little attitude. By attitude, I mean when he punched Jose Bautista in the chin when he was on the Rangers all those years ago. Hopefully he brings a little wake up attitude to this to this dugout because they're sleepwalking. Yeah. And I'm sorry, this has been a really long spiel. I'll wrap it up real quick. But to sum up what you said about the Red Sox, everyone jokes about the AL East. The Yankees, the Yankees can't be sleepwalking this first month and a half. Yeah. If we go if we go into like Memorial Day weekend and the Red Sox don't let the Sox get hot are hot and they're like I don't know like twenty two and fifteen or something, and you know the Rays are right around there and Toronto's right around there, you don't want the Yankees to be like three games under that. You want to go into kind of like the middle of June July with somewhat of a stable lead if you're a Yankee fan. Yeah, because as everyone knows, the AL least once once like. The summer comes to an end. That's when tensions get high. Mm-hmm. You know, guys start th- – it's, it's crazy. Guys start throwing at each other. Bro- potential brawls always start. The, f- the fans the fans are at each other's throats. Like, just 
we're sleepwalking, and that that can't keep happening. They they play again tonight. That's what's kind of nice about one a one sixty two. You know, they have so so many more games to right figure. back at it in the next day. Yeah, it's crazy but, that every team in the AL East, besides the Red Sox, at the start of yesterday was all four and five. Right, so it just shows how. So I think the be. bottom line, and then I promise you guys, I'm done. And then two two can add his tidbit. Bottom line. For a team that was literally second, uh, uh, second in the odds-on favorites mm-hmm. to win the World Series, they are not playing like it whatsoever. They don't even look like it. Some teams look like it, but like yeah. you know, like 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 aura-wise, environment, yeah, but they'll lose a heartbreaker. They're not. They don't even look like it. They look lost, and I'm rattled. Oh, oh, sorry, that was a lot. Get some you- water, man. Get some water. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to get it right now. What's your little spiel? I mean, for me, I think the – I've never been a big Aaron Boone guy when it comes to, to managing the team. So I feel like where they are right now, I feel like Boone's managing doesn't help in a way. I feel like it kind of kind of retracts from them. I just – I personally I don't think he's a great manager. And then the the only other point I have is that I just – they're confusing. I mean, the, the offense is supposed to be this otherworldly offense, and it's just like – Not. <laughs> not, and then I then I sit there and I'm like, is their offense really as good as people hype it up to be? No. Because I'm like – I mean, they got, they got some guys that are – yes, I would say a, a top-level MLB hitter, and then they have other guys that have had like one or two good seasons and I'm like Mm -hmm. I'm like I don't know like is he really as good as those one or two seasons or were those two seasons anomalies but I don't know I the Yankees at the end of the day in my opinion will be fine oh yeah no listen again that's that's so early I'm not worried yeah it's just that it's frustrating right now oh it's so because like you know for it's for the for the hype that they came into this year with you know Mm -hmm. Cole's first year, Cole, Cole, Cole's first full year as a Yankee, all the new young guy, all the new guys that brought in for the rotation, the same lineup back, hopefully healthy, obviously voids out for a little while longer. You want to start out eight and two in your yeah. first 10 games. You don't want to, I, I know what surprisingly a lot of the, a lot of the, like the top teams have been kind of like losing games here and there, but you know, like it's just, it, it's frustrating. And the, honestly, they're going to, I think they're going to be frustrating all year for me. But that's just because, again, this goes back to my hot take. Us fans just have so much expectations based on who they have and what they're capable of. Where me, I miss 2017. I miss when their team was terrible and, you know, their rotation was okay and they somehow just won all those games and made a playoff run. The the only other thing I could think of is you bring up that team and some of the guys that were on that team are still on this team. And right. not performing up to the standards, it's like maybe maybe the pressure these guys aren't pressure players. Maybe they they're better when there's less pressure on them. But what it's what it sounded like, and I, I think can't the only say that are... with any definite truth to right. it. But well, and I think the only other positive I can take from the first ten games is Gary's Gary's hitting. Mm-hmm. Gary looks a lot better at the plate. It was actually kind of cool last night. So Cole is slowly he did it at the end of last year, and then when he struck out like 15 guys against the Orioles the other night, 
that we kind of got the hint that he'll probably Gary will probably never catch for him again. That no, was it'll probably be Higgy the rest of the year. Right. So he loves Higgy. I mean, Higgy, Higgy won them the game last night. So that's what I mean. So like this is so it was kind of nice to see where Higgy called for Cole. Yeah. And then he actually was an animal at the plate. And then they DH'd Gary. Yeah. So like you st- so, so obviously, you know, Higgy's not going to hit two home runs every single time he catches. But no. so it's it's it was kind of nice to have Cole be comfortable with Higgy. And then you still have Gary's bat in the lineup. Obviously, yeah. that's not going to happen every single time. It was just nice to see. Mm-hmm. So another, so I guess that's the positive that we were concerned about what Gary was going to be like. He looks good so far. Yeah, Obviously, he does look solid so far. Only a ten game sample size, but at, at the end of the day, you got to start. You got to start counting. You got to start somehow. somewhere. Yeah, yeah. That's it. So, that was that was probably a good twenty five minutes of people just listening to me go bananas. Sorry. So that's all we have for you guys today. We discussed the major points, and we're. Today we're recording, it's Tuesday, April 13th, so we're still early in this week's set of games, so we're definitely hoping to have some more exciting stuff for you to talk about with you guys next week. Um, side note, MLB The Show comes out Thursday. At, this uh, Thursday? At midnight, if you pre-order it, it comes out. I'm going to do that so right now. I'll be uh, on midnight, that's all I'll be doing, but I'm excited for that to finally come out. It's been a while, but... Most baseball fans that play it are pumped about it. So can't wait for that to come out on Thursday at midnight. But other than that, we're, we're hoping to have another great week. Hopefully have a lot to talk about next week when we come back. We've been spoiled so far with the first two weeks in terms oh, of it's been phenomenal. the games outside of our favorite teams have been great. So we've had a lot of stuff to discuss, and hopefully we get more of that this week. But that's been it for – I have two questions. Episode. Tom, what do you got? Two, two questions for you. We're each going to do a little – we're each gonna we're each gonna pick a vote, and then next week we'll we'll recap on it. So we had a we had a Shohei Otani history maker week one. Mm-hmm. We had a no hitter week two. What's your pick for what's gonna happen week three? Ah, uh, that's tough. It could be anything anything crazy. I'm gonna you know what I'm gonna go with. You go first. I gotta think for a second. There's gonna be an inside the park home run this week. There was one of those the first week. Oh, never mind. Can't pick that again. I really? Mean, yeah, uh, for the Dodgers. No, I think. Damn, I don't know. Yeah, you, you threw me on the spot and you don't even know. I know. <laughs> so, I don't know. I'm just trying to think because, like, obviously, you know, no, we could have said a no-hitter, but we, we would have never guessed what guy it would have been. Um, I'm going to say – Someone's going to go for the cycle. I don't know. I don't know. I don't like this question. We, we've already had a complete game, too. I'm uh, saying cycle. Lance Lynn threw a complete game. I don't know. Something crazy is going to happen. Whatever. going to hit for a cycle. My but... second question for you. So, mm-hmm. MLB The Show, who do you think is going to be the first good guy you, you wind up getting? Well, I'm going to exclude there is uh, the pre-order has a guaranteed diamond pack with some new legends in it, but Uh-oh. I'm going to exclude that. I'm saying, I was saying to someone yesterday, I'm, I, I think I'm going to pull Mike Trout day one. Well, so for, for those, I, for I have those a feeling, that, I have a feeling, I don't know. Well, for those that didn't talk to two last year, when this game came out, uh, hey, it took me a while to get Trout last year, but 
But yeah, but last year was one of the most remarkable things I've ever seen from you in, a, in terms of a video game because it seemed like every other day you were pulling diamond guys out of the dirt. <laughs> like I would, I would text you. I'm like, yo, like I got like I got a, whoever it was like a gold card, like upper eighties. You're like, you're like, lol. I pulled like a, three diamond guys, and they're all all stars. But Trout, I think I'm gonna pull. It's gonna be someone stupid because I never get that lucky. No, I'm gonna get a Juan Soto. That's gonna be a That'd pull. Be solid. That's right. That's a solid pull. But uh, that, I'm I don't know. definitely that was... excited for Thursday at midnight to play that. And hell yeah! For the rest of the games we got this week, there's some good pitching matchups tonight. There was some good pitching last night that I'm sure we'll talk about a little more next week, just because it kind of fell in that gray area of last week and this week. So um, when do when do we play each other? The Red Sox and Yankees don't play till June, I believe. June? I'm pretty sure, yeah. Damn. Wild. So that's my thing, too. My boys at the 161st Street Podcast brought it up on the latest episode. Mm-hmm. We need to get out of the AL East. I think – well, I mean, the Red it's Sox – It's everybody. been a lot of AL East uh, That's what I mean. Like, so the Red Sox so are fine because they're beating everybody. But like, the Yankees need, need a little wake-up. They need. To I mean, the Red Sox are out of it right now. They're playing the Twins and the White Sox this week. But... Oh, good. It's been a lot like, of ALEs to start the year. Like, like I want ALEs. the Yankees to go out to LA and get like spanked by the Dodgers or something, just to like just slap them upside the head and wake them up a little bit. Because yeah, I the just first Yankee Red Sox matchup will be um, a Friday, starting on a Friday series on June fourth at okay. Yankee Stadium, and then they play each other again at the end of the month at Fenway. Oh boy! But we got a little while until that. Yeah, but... that would I would that was just on my head. All right. Another great week of baseball ahead. Thank you guys for listening. And see you guys next see you guys next time. We'll see you Peace. next week.